Hey there, thanks for joining us on the Above Board with Candor Path podcast. My name is The Rich B. You can just call me Rich or Mr. Rich. And this is my friend, John Kennedy. How you doing, John? You were about to call it the three to win podcast. I could tell. You, you, you paused for a second. I could How tell. did you know? I had a moment where I just like froze up. It's like calling like your significant other the name of your ex accidentally. You don't do that. <laughs> I almost did. How did you know? Did it, was it that obvious? Like on my no, face? It, well, it, it wasn't that obvious, but I was in my head thinking the same thing. Cause obviously oh. as we were preparing for the show, we were listening to some old ones. And I think that was on your mind and on mine. That's we really were doing weird, a, but we were doing kindred Vulcan, spirits, you and I. That's all. A Vulcan mind meld. Do you know what yeah. that is? I have no idea, but Damn, I agreed. I love when I pull out some like old school stuff and you don't know. Vulcan mind meld. So in Star Trek, um, Mr. <laughs> Spock, would, he was a Vulcan. Okay. That was where okay. that was his race. And he, I thought this was Harry Potter. No, it's not Harry Potter. It was it was Leonard Nimoy as Mr. Spock. And he would do a Vulcan mind meld where he would like do this thing where he would like touch your head and like his brain and his mind and your mind would meld and he could like read your thoughts or feel your not feelings. I don't know exactly, but like he was like inside your head kind of thing. It was that's doesn't Professor X do this in X-Men? He he as may. well. He may. It, it's a power that many of us have. Okay. All right. <laughs> We should do an X-Men themed Halloween uh, thing this year. Oh, because anyway, I'm bald, I so I have to be Dr. Sorry. Xavier. I mean, awesome. I, I think by by default, you, you do get to be no. Dr. Xavier. I'll be Bull young. Crap. I'll no. be young Dr. Xavier. And then no, you'll be old no, Dr. no. I'm going to go get a wig and mutton chops and I'm going to be Wolverine because I'm closer to Hugh Jackman's age anyway. And he's, he's Wolverine. And though I don't have hair, they do have wigs and they do have okay. costumes. Why do I have to be stuck with who I look like. I can be Wolf. I'm going to be Wolverine. Who's Matt? Since he's not here today, <laughs> we get to pick who he's going to be. Cyclops. Is that oh, an X-Men? That's who I wanted to be. That was my favorite growing up as Wait, a kid. So I have to look at, I don't remember who all the X-Men are. I, is that bad? I literally can't remember who the X-Men are. Hold on. X-Men. Um, it's not as popular right now as the Avengers, but to it, look at it's them. still a pretty good show. I did, I did a, um, a binge watch of all those shows a few years ago, oh, all, like all the movies. The he can movies. be the, um, he can be storm. <laughs> there you go. I don't storm. even know. He can be storm. No beast. No, I wait. I want to be beast. No, you can't be beast. Anyway, gonna be, this is... I'm going to be Wolverine hands down okay. for sure, because that would be the most surprising. Cause I could do the wig with the mutton chops. And I just shared with you. Cause I, we were listening to podcasts, John, John and I both, listen to podcasts because we just, we need the inspiration for our own podcast, but also we like to learn. And my honestly, and if you all, if you all are um, fans of Tim Ferriss's podcast, um, his podcast with Hugh Jackman was surprisingly so my favorite, one of my, I will put it in my top three favorite podcasts of all time. And I don't know about you, but I actually avoid podcasts that have celebrities like actors actresses singers i just not not because yeah. i don't like them but i think that that's a very um most of them it, it comes from you know the the arts and i no, honestly i don't even listen to podcasts with athletes i tend to listen to a lot of podcasts with like, scientists and authors that's just my jam and i saw the hugh jackman one and i was like eh, i mean i'll listen to it and then he just blew me away um i thought it was the coolest thing in the world i would definitely not listen to a podcast with will smith right now i'm sorry. i was just gonna say that i was just gonna say red table talk no, i mean that's this, gonna be the most listened to episode of red table talk whenever that one comes this out this could be such a this could be such a, a a split like it's too bad with a podcast you can't do a, a survey but i wonder how many people agree with what he did versus disagree and for those of you that don't know i, n I don't ever watch the oscars but in the morning I woke up or maybe in the evening before I went to bed, there was Chris Rock made a joke about Will Smith's wife's appearance. And then Will Smith actually walked up on stage and popped Chris Rock across the face. And what I would deem a sucker punch because Chris Rock was standing there with his hands behind his back laughing and didn't know it was coming. And it was just kind of weird to me because John and I were just talking about when you watch like some of the clips afterwards, Will Smith is being comforted by several different actors. And you wonder, like, did anybody comfort Chris Rock who took the actual smack across the face? Ouch. It's just a weird thing. I bet there's people, look, we all, like, I know that if somebody says something disrespectful about my wife, I would be angry and I might respond. But I'm also not a celebrity. And also if it's a comedian and 
I don't know. I I thought the whole thing was was dumb, and I I was disappointed. And I don't know who Will Smith is. I don't know him as a person. God bless him. But I I just thought that's that wasn't the right way to handle it. Yeah. Well, agreed. I would imagine most people would agree with that. But Will Smith is such a likable character outside of that instance that I think that that's probably why people feel that way. Yeah, about but you know, him, it's he like seems like a pretty likable it, guy. It's like my mama was not a good move. No, it's like my mom always say people eventually show you who they are if you pay attention. So yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know, maybe he's not that likable of a guy or maybe I don't know, whatever. But anyway, my point is the Hugh Jackman, the Hugh Jackman one was really, really interesting. So if you guys are into podcasts, check out the Hugh Jackman one, because I found it kind of fascinating. So John, John, hi, John. Hey, buddy. I, I what do you want to talk about? Because I kind of feel like I know what I want to talk about. Well, I'm, I'm, we, we have a few different ideas. I am going to be, I'm going to let you just, I'm going to let you take the lead on this and tell us what you want to talk about. I'll be your Chris rock in this conversation. You can want to smack you. You can come at, well, you know, that can mean a lot of things. Good. I love Chris rock. Um, we had a really well received podcast that we did in season one and episode seven, nicely done. Episode seven was, um, the power of positive aging. I believe it was called. Yes. And it has over almost like 1500 downloads, which for our humble little podcast is quite, quite extraordinary. And so I, it was a really cool podcast and we focused a lot on season one was, was finance heavy because that's, you know, the expertise area of, of you and Matt specifically, but you know, as time has gone by, it would be interesting to kind of take a look at a brief reload of the power of positive aging from a perspective, maybe not financial. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I love that. And, and as we're having this conversation, I'm intermittent fasting, which is one of the things I'm doing to, to age positively and for longevity. Let's get into that. So a couple of things that John and I both do some, some things that are similar and we do some things that are different as far as aging and, taking care of self and all those things. So let's, let's start off with the physical domain. So John and I both do intermittent fasting. Um, John, tell me how you do it. And then I'll say how I do it. I think it's pretty similar. Yeah. Interestingly, recently I've tried to shift my perspective of saying I'm, I'm going to fast for this long because it seems like I'm putting my body in this like famine state. Whereas I heard someone describe it as my, my, uh, what do they call it now? Their, their opportunity, like their eating window, basically. So instead of saying like, oh, I can't eat for this long saying I can eat for this long during this period. So like a lot, a normal fast, I think is anywhere from like 12 to 16 hours, Mm -hmm. like a a daily fast would be, which is kind of easy to hit the 12 hour mark, you know, after dinner, you go to bed. And if you finish dinner at 6 p.m., 7 p.m. You can, you can certainly try to go 12 hours pretty easy. So that's my minimum. Um, you know, I've been weightlifting a lot lately, so it's hard. Like 12 hours is the most I can do. But um, in other periods of time, I try to basically skip a meal, skip breakfast, and fast for at least 16 hours. So basically, skip breakfast and go straight in, and then eat from like noon or one to six. Okay, and like so my I, eating window. I do very similar. Super I weird. do very similar. Yeah. So the last time that I ate anything, I had uh, a little bit of oatmeal with peanut butter and honey last night at around 8 30 and then i don't eat anything until usually well after 12 or one um but you know i went the other day till like about three so listen first of all disclaimer we're not recommending that people do intermittent fasting people have different health needs um some people that might have blood glucose issues or diabetes etc cetera, etc cetera. Check with your doctor, a healthcare professional before making any decisions to do anything like fasting or supplements or diet or any of that kind of stuff. But that being said, there has been a lot of research out for longevity that talks about fasting or or decreasing your amount of meals, your amount of intake of food that has multiple health benefits. I'm not going to get into all the data and the numbers and whatever, but it's not just for losing weight or starving yourself or all those kinds of things. But it's actually, it puts your body into a way that it puts your body into a state that it has been, studies have shown in animal studies. And I I believe in studies on people that there's longevity. So I do the same thing where uh, I eat and, uh, you know, early evening, whatever, then I stop and then don't eat usually for a while. I've changed mine though, a little bit different though. Uh, There was a 
a podcast that I listened to, and I think it was on the School of Greatness, and I, I apologize because I forgot the name of the guy, uh, but he studies longevity, and he eats one meal a day. So he's a, his mm. fast is one meal yeah. a day, and so he eats dinner. I'm He said a little bit of food during the day, but really one main meal. So I interpreted that. Well, that was so, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was Dr. David Sinclair. Yes. And that guy is, he's like the authority right that now. Is, that on is his name. Thank longevity. Um, he wrote a book called Lifespan, which is really good. I read, it's actually, it's it's good. It's really detailed, but it, and it's very dry in a lot of places. So it's kind of hard to read, but um, he's a smart dude. Yes. And I try to consume anywhere. I've, I hear him on podcasts, stuff like that. I mean, he's, he is. He's a smart guy and the authority in that I've, topic. I've I been think. doing that and I do notice a couple of things. So um, like I said, I, I, I am eating a little bit more than that, but not much more. So I don't really eat breakfast. If I have, because I lift weights as well, that's my pretty much my main workout. You know, you do want to take in a certain amount of calories in a certain way. So I, I will maybe have a salad or some almonds or a couple of pieces of turkey or um, uh, something something along those lines during the day uh, to um, kind of supplement, you know, what I'm doing. And then yeah. in the evening, I will have some oatmeal with some kind of protein in it. But I've noticed the following things when I've done intermittent fasting, especially doing like the main one meal a day. I am sleeping a lot better. That's great. I, I, I was actually about to ask about sleep stuff too. And, but I think you're sleeping better, but you probably, my guess is, cause this is what happens for me is I feel better. Like I notice myself in the morning, for example, I'm not trying, my body's not trying to digest like this huge breakfast, like this, you know, this Westernized breakfast of bacon and eggs and, you know, this high fat, you know, meal that I just had, I'm, my mind is clear. It, my body's not trying to yeah. do that. I'm focused on the work that I'm doing. And, and if we're talking about aging gracefully and the power of positive aging, like obviously we're talking longevity and things so that we can be around for a long time. But I also right. think it's important to focus on these things that also make us feel good in the now. And those are having good sleep, having good diet, you know, a, a good diet, focusing on fasting. For me, it, I feel much clearer during my days. What about you? I do too. And for some reason, I've noticed that I'm a little sharper. I don't have as much brain fog. Yeah. Um, and of course, for everybody who's maybe new to our podcast, John and I are vastly different in age where there's a 20 year gap in age. I'm I'm 54 going on 55 and he's 20. That's why he's going to be Professor X and I'll be young Professor X. <laughs> or I could be Wolverine like at the last movie when he, he Logan, oh, I better not say what happened. Well, I can't say anything because yeah, don't give it away that movie. Give it Sorry, away. I don't want to be a spoiler, but I, I, I noticed that my energy level is higher since I'm eating less. I, so I, I went down in weight and I very kind of on top of my weight and I was around, I'm five, nine, fairly muscular. And I'm, I was about one, I think I got down to like 170, 169, 170. And that was actually a weight where people that were close to me were actually saying, Hey, you look like you've lost a little too much weight. Like I, I feel like that weight was a little on the thinner side, but I actually through after I got COVID and all this kind of stuff and kind of couldn't work out for a while and was eating, I got up to 177, wasn't overweight, but I feel like just soft for me. I'm back down to about 173. So I think for me, my, my perfect weight is like 170, 171 around there for my frame. Now that my height, that might sound like I'm overweight, but I'm, I, I do have a little bit of muscle, so it's more muscle than it is fat. That being said, I think if it's healthy for you to try, and if you get clearance from a medical professional, it does, if you're used to eating a lot during the day, it, it's a little bit weird, but I'd say that when I first did it, the first week was a little weird and then it just felt very normal. Hmm. Everyone that does intermittent fasting, most people say less brain fog, better sleep, yeah. clearer thoughts, um, more energy. And so I, you know, I, yesterday I went to the gym on the, and I lifted and I did a pretty heavy workout and it was 11 something in the morning when I did it, it was on the weekend. And when I did it, <clears throat> I feel great. Like I don't, I feel stronger than ever. So there's a lot did of, did you feel like Wolverine when you were I working like out? Wolverine. I did. I did feel like Wolverine. And I think that that's something that I've done. Here's something else that I've done that I haven't shared with you. I've pretty much cut sugar out for Ooh. the last 
almost okay. 30 days with one. There was one day I had a, a, I wasn't thinking. I'm literally like, it was an unconscious thing. I was on the road. I was in the Delta Sky Lounge and I ate some vegetables and I was eating some meat. And literally I wasn't even thinking about it. I grabbed a piece of lemon pound cake and like pounded the pound cake. And I was like, oh crap, I just ate sugar, you know? But with the exception of that one thing, I have not had sugar, which is my addiction. And I think that's contributing to it mm. as well. I like that. Well, it's uh, there's so many important things to know. I, I feel like we could spend, we could probably break this up into segments of different things when it comes to like our physical activity and what we're doing. Something else that I'd like to touch on, and we talked about this in the pre-show, um, I have spent maybe the last 60 days doing this and it's called active visualization. And it's a really weird thing for me at first. Um, and I, but, but now like fast forward to me doing it now, I, I really, I enjoy it. And when I think about aging positively, you know, so I'm in, I'm 30, I'll be 35 soon, which is crazy. Um, don't roll your eyes. Okay. I'm just rolling my eyes because I'm fit. I'm going to be 55. It's just so crazy that we're this far. Am I just super immature or are you just an old soul? Maybe there's like a meet in between, of, you know, <laughs> maybe you're just, it's just interesting. You and I have some, we get along so yeah. well, but I was 20 years old when you were born. That's freaky. I to mean, me. that's freaky to me. It's good that we're not dating because that would be like people would judge us on our age. I'd I, I really, I've always enjoyed hanging out with older folks. You know, you got to remember my sister's eight years older than I am, and and so growing up as a as a kid, like I was so used to being around like high school age kids when I was eight, ten, you. twelve. You know what I mean? And and I understand. My brothers are thirteen and sixteen years okay. older than me, so I totally can relate to that. You're just a—it's you're an easy person to hang out with. But anyway, well, go ahead. So talk about the visualization things. I think that's that's like a powerful well, thing. So you're going to be thirty. Well, and, and I we, I work with clients of all ages and from all walks of life. So we you know we see clients that are in their thirties and their forties that are in like high growth accumulation phase. We have clients that are in their sixties and are retired, and and I get to hear so many personal stories about. Uh, lessons learned in their life and and looking back i mean i'll I'll never forget we had a client drop off their taxes and he sat and talked to me about and he was such as this high driven professional throughout his work life and and uh, he's retired now and we spent a half an hour talking about his grandchildren about you know going to the beach with them and taking them to trips to disney and just how much joy he has in his life spending time with his family and then i have other clients it's like i don't i don't talk to any of my family they're dead to me you know and you see it from all over the place and so back to this whole active visualization thing which i think the majority of the time when when you hear somebody say like you should visualize what your future is going to be like i think we go towards the typical things you might think you know money you might think success bigger home car whatever and it's not like I don't think about what I view as some of these material aspects of success, but a lot of what I visualize is um, what life's going to be like, you know, having like really healthy and functional relationships with my kids when they're adults. So I, vi I visualize, I, I have this moment where um, I'm a big Notre Dame fan and for anyone who is a Notre Dame fan knows the nostalgia and the the tradition that comes with that university. I know, I know all about it. Roll time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I knew you were going to say something like that. That was such a you just sorry, that was a sorry. slap. So that was a slap in the face. Under that was that was your was Will, Will Smith, Smith moment. Smith. And I'm your Chris Rock. See what I mean? I knew you were going to do it. Um, <laughs> and so I have this thing that I visualize where I take um, Hudson to to like when we get to like walk on the field and we have like we have like 50 yard line oh. tickets and we see like this awesome game and and i don't know why that's come to mind but i keep i keep replaying that in my head in future years when he's old enough you know he's two and a half now and right and i, I keep replaying that in my head as a moment that i want to have and and i and i the more that i think about it, the more it's like no i know i will have that moment now like i know i will and and that's what it's done for me is sort of solidify this confidence that that not just like a hope and a dream and an I wish that my future is like this. It, 
I don't know what it does for you. I think you're more of an, out of the two of us, certainly more of an authority on the topic than I am. Cause I, like I said, I'm still learning this. It's really hard for my mind not to drift off into like the most random, stupid thoughts that have nothing. I mean, I was, like doing, you're walking it, on the field. I was doing it this morning and I was thinking about this Will Smith thing. And I'm like, no, 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 focus up. Will Smith runs on the field and smacks yeah, you in front yeah. of us. Like, I, like I, you know, I'm thinking about this act of visualization that I see like Will Smith smacking. So I'm like, come on, what am I doing? But anyway, you're more of an authority. So what do you think about it? I, I don't know if I'm an authority. I think I've been doing it longer. Let's put it that way. Um, I also use active visualization and here's what I have learned. And I'm going to give an example of where visualization actually created manifestation. Mm. And I'm going to make a disclaimer. I don't, I, I'm not professing some occult, magical Harry Potter level powers. There's my nod to Matt. But um, I, I also can tell you it's kind of interesting. And I'll be kind of vague about some of the details for certain personal reasons. But I have learned that you visualize things as if they are happening. Not, I hope this happens. But you put yourself in the moment of what you're visualizing. You can see it. Most importantly, you feel the emotions. So for example, to use yours, when you're walking on the field, you don't just see you and Hudson walking on a field and people in the Notre Dame uniform and you know hear the band playing, but you feel like this is, wow, this is, I knew this was going to be happening and this is what it feels like and look at his face and I'm here and, and you're seeing it like you're, you're watching it through your eyes. Um, if, if you were to incorporate visualization without the emotion, I find that the results are not the same. So me just closing my eyes and picturing a, a Ferrari in my driveway, I'm just to make it something materialistic, picturing a Ferrari in my driveway is not the same as me sitting in the Ferrari, picturing in my brain what the leather would smell like, the sound of the engine, and then the thrill I get in my chest of this has really happened. So let me give two examples because you, you touted me as an authority, but let me give you two examples of when this I, I've actually used this and seen a result. Before you do that, I would like to yeah. say how useful. So I've been seeking out information on it in the last couple of months, but I think anybody listening to this, that's an important thing to take note of is feeling the emotion. Because I don't yes. know that I've ever heard anybody describe it or say it that way. And I, I've tried to figure out on days that I, I do it every day right now. I'm doing it every day. But on days that I do it where I end and for 10, it's 10 minutes is my charge. And I end and I'm like, whoa, that was awesome. And other days where I'm like, nah, nah, I just went through the motions and that didn't feel, that didn't hit right. I didn't recognize it until you just said it, but it's when I feel the emotion, when I tie the emotion to the activity or to the thing. Yeah. And so I don't feel the emotion the same way when I visualize myself in like, oh, you know, I'll be... <clears throat> uber wealthy someday and, and, and be sitting in a really nice car for me that I'm not a car guy the way that some people are. So I don't, I don't, I was having a hard time. I'm like, well, I guess I should visualize this cause I'm supposed to. Right. So it's literally what I was like visualizing like that. I'm like, nah, it's not hitting. But when I would visualize like an experience of like taking my kids to this really cool thing that I know I worked hard to get there to and having that moment, I feel the emotion. And I, until you said that I couldn't connect why it felt more impactful, but that's why you feel the emotion. I think the secret sauce to it is the emotion yeah. more than even, you know, some people aren't very good at visualization. Some people actually have a very difficult time, not only concentrating, but some people don't have the, their brain isn't wired such that they're imaginative or visual people. Okay. So years ago, I'll, I'll be a little vague about details. So years ago I was in a job and I it was interviewing for a different job. And I, in the interview process, it was going great, but there was going to be a delay in when they were going to let me know what was going on. So they were going on Christmas break. So it was going to be from interview to when they told me yes or no, it was going to be like a solid month or so. I had never discussed salary. I didn't know at all what the salary range was at this place. I just really wanted to work for this organization. At the time I was making, I'm, I'm going to totally just make up a number. Okay. This is not the number at all. Let's just say hypothetically at the time I was making 50,000 a year in the job I was in. And I decided that for me to get this job, that the number that would really be meaningful to me, let's say I was making 50, I, I decided 80,000 a year would be the number. That just is what 
jumped out in my mind. That's what I wanted. That, that would feel real. That would feel like I was making a big jump. So I typed out $80,000. Again, these are not the real numbers. I typed out $80,000. I put it in large font. I printed it. I cut it. And I was in, I had an office and I taped it to the top or the bottom, I don't remember, of my computer screen, which only I could see. So every morning, every day when I was at work, and at the time I was working in an organization, I oftentimes was in my office, I would see that number and I would close my eyes at least once a day and I would picture a phone call where the person that was my HR person would say to me, Rich, we are very excited to have you work here. And I know we haven't discussed income or salary or compensation, but we would like to offer you a starting salary of $80,000. And I would hear her saying it in my mind. And then I would, rem- I would, I just got it. Just happened to me right now. I'd get the like thrill up my spine, just like the, like this magical feeling like that was the number that that's, that's it. And then I pictured at the time my wife was working in, in the same organization. I, I pictured, um, and actually she was my fiance at the time. I pictured calling her and then saying, meet me, and then going outside and then showing her the number. I would see this. I would feel it. I would feel the thrill. I would see I would see Dawn looking at me like, wow, that's incredible, over and over and over, at least once a day for a couple minutes. I swear to you, no lie. And somewhere in a somewhere in a in a book or in a I, I have it somewhere. I've seen it. I still have the piece of paper. I literally, the day comes. I get an email. Hey, are you available for a call? I'm at work. I close my office, pick up the phone. It's the HR person. Hey, Rich, sorry it's taken us so long, but you know we've had you know conversations. You did great on your interviews. We would like to offer you, we haven't talked about compensation and salary. We would like to offer you, and she said the exact number to the dime, to the dollar that I had on that piece of paper. And it was a um, rounded number, like 80,000. It wasn't like $80,347. Yeah. It was like 80,000, whatever. Yeah. I did the conversation. I got the feelings. It was, I felt like I left my body. Like I literally floated out. It was the weirdest thing. I called on. She meets me out in the parking lot. I have the piece of paper that I took off the thing and I just held it up. And she did exactly what I visualized. And she went, no way are you, that's the number? I said, yeah. She goes, are you serious? Yes. So excited, blah, blah, blah. So I remember doing that. And that was probably one of the most realistic, direct, specific examples I can give because there was no, I had absolutely no idea what the salary range was at this job. For all I knew, it was going to be less than what I made. And then I was going to refuse the job, Mm. but I just knew I wanted to work there. It was exactly the dollar amount, exactly the dollar amount. I'd like to be clear about something though. And I want your opinion of it. It's not like with this whole active visualization thing, you know, we're not saying, okay, you know, um, you know, you just, you just dream it and think about it and then it'll happen. I think, I think there's a burning desire behind that visualization. And the example you gave, you went to work to materialize that you're, you know, you're a hardworking individual anyway, but setting that intention, then in turn, I, I think that there's something that you're taking, you know, from your subconscious to your conscious and, and you're bringing that to the forefront and, and I mean, at least that's what's like, that's how it's hitting me anyway, as I do this. It's not like I'm wishing for these like things to happen that it's And it's like, not magical. I think yeah. that when you put the emotion, you're, you start, you, you're right, the subconscious to the conscious. I think you start working towards that. So you can't sit here and picture yourself at the Grammys winning a Grammy for best rock song and not write a song yep. and not be in a band and exactly. not be in a recording studio. And that, that's ridiculous. You could, that's like... People say, well, I'll, you know, picture winning Powerball. Great. But if you don't play Powerball, I was going to say the same. I was going to use that same analogy. It's like you're wishing for things that are out of your control. That's not completely out of your control because I don't, I don't know. I mean, if you believe in magic, if you believe in, 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 in the ether and the mysterious and the universe, and maybe you believe in the the law of attraction and it can manifest anything. I, I don't know. I just know that I was capable of this job. I was right for the job. I did a, I practiced and got ready for all the interviews. I nailed the interviews and it's where I felt I wanted to be a desperately, I really wanted to work in this organization. 
The second thing that I did that was something maybe even more materialistic was there was a type of car that I pictured that I wanted. And I thought, you know, I've never really manifested like this was a job and yes, it was a salary. So I guess that's a technically a thing, but I did what I just said. I sat in the car. I could see the symbol on the steering wheel. I pictured holding the steering wheel and staring at the symbol and touching it with my, and I would close my eyes and I would run my fingers across the symbol and I would smell the car and I would be in the dealership and I would be looking around and I could see me sign the, and I felt it and I felt it. And I did this over and over and over and over again. And that's the brand of car that I drive right now. And, and that was at the time kind of far away, but then it, as I did better and, and was able to be a little bit more successful, I was able to achieve that. Again, I work hard. I, it wasn't something, it wasn't like a Bugatti or something that's completely ridiculously yeah. out of reach. I, I think there is something that happens when you set a goal, you emotionally connect to the goal. Yeah. And then when you do the emotional connection to it, I think the forces inside of you and maybe outside of you. And and I look, I personally do believe it has some spiritual component to it. I That's my personal belief. I think they start to work you in that direction. And you could use this for, you know, yours is relationship because it's, you're not so much like right now you could afford to get tickets to a Notre Dame game. That's not what you're visualizing. You're not visualizing going to a game. You're visualizing a relationship with your son that is such that it, it's not him to stand there going, all right, dad, can we go? I'm on my phone. I want to play, you know, I want to text my friends. You're not picturing that. You're picturing this deep moment with your son where you have this bonding thing. So it's it's really about you're framing your life as you age around having this relationship with your kid. Well, in, in full transparency, there are elements to what I envision that are financially out of reach that I do, that do sure, uh, give but- some aspiration there. Like I have this vision of like, that we take a, a, we fly like a private jet there to get am there. Gonna, am I on the jet? Sure. You're the pilot. Um, actually, <laughs> Professor now I'm John Travolta. Professor- I just changed from Will Smith to John Travolta. Now I'm piloting things. Both, both bald. Oh no, Will Smith's not bald. Pro- not exa- bald. Will Smith Professor is X. not bald. I thought you said oh Professor X. Um, so I, I visualize that. I visualize like being on the field, 50 yard lightning, some things that are like not necessarily like you can't just like get tickets and do, I don't think. So I, I do visualize some other elements, but I, I know this is weird. It is relationship based though. I visualize being a grandfather. Mm-hmm. Like I have these moments thinking about like meeting my grandchildren for the first time. And I joke with clients that like, like that's the, like that's, that's the, for me anyway, I feel like, and I, and I talk to other grandparent clients or grandparents, like that feels like the pinnacle, like what a huge moment, you know, of success for you within your family life to be a grandparent and to be with your grandbabies and do that type of stuff. And I visualize all those things. And I think then what ends up happening is I, I unknowingly, and I, I mean, that's, you, you've heard me say that. I've said that on many, this podcast before many times, where I'm like, many for times. me, like, like one of my long-term goals, like I'm so excited to be a grandfather. It's super weird to say that, but I see, I, I see the excitement. I see the happiness. I see the joy that that brings people. And I'm, I'm excited to experience that. And I, and what that means, that means a really healthy and great relationship with my kids as they become adults and, right. and, and raising good kids and being a present parent. Now, the fruits of all that labor that you work so hard for to like, then be a grandparent well, someday and, 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 and give them a, candy and then walk away from it. And there's something, and there's something deeper to that. So people that, that have listened to our podcast know that John, Matt, and I all lost our dads ourselves at young ages. And our dads were fairly young as yeah. well. We were all in our twenties. And I know that you and I, we were out to dinner this weekend past. And I know if I don't, I'm, if it's okay, I'm just going to say it, but I know you brought up you know, you miss your dad and, and my mom just passed away, you know, October and I miss my mom and my dad passed away when I was 22 and I'm 55 and I'm 40, 54 going up 55 and I miss my dad. And I think for you, I think you've attached a lot of that, that, that being a grandpa thing is also kind of filling in that space where you miss your dad and your kids did not get the opportunity to physically meet your dad and have that grandfather experience. And I think for you, it's almost filling in that gap, filling in, I'm not trying to do therapy on you, but I think it's almost kind of, that's a connection for you. That's an important milestone for you because your dad didn't reach that milestone. 
like my yeah. dad didn't reach that milestone either. And I, I'm not surprised that that's it. And I think with that, it's a great example because you very easily, when you're picturing that grandfather thing, it's very easy for you to get into the emotion of that because you can feel that because for you, that saying, there's probably a little bit for all of us, when you lose your, your parent at a young age, there is a fear inside of you. Like, is that going to happen to me? Especially when you have kids, you know, I mean, you know, just recently, you know, we were talking about celebrities, but, um, the drummer for Foo Fighters, uh, mm -hmm. Taylor Hawkins, I believe that's his name. I hope I said his name right. Gosh, I hope I did make, you know, condolences you to did. his family. 50 years old, and I don't know the cause of death. I don't know what happened. I saw reports that he was complaining of chest pain and that he passed away. And, you know, when you see somebody like that, older than you, but younger than me, that and he has kids, he has teenagers, it's it's heartbreaking. Or in just in the in life, when you see what's going on in Ukraine and, and you see young people, it's it's terrible. So there's a, a yeah. fear that some of us have sometimes of that, you know, early passing. And when you think about the power of positive aging, that assumes that you you're lived a long time. <laughs> you know, you're not talking about like sure. live to 40, you know. So I'm not surprised by that. I think the power of the visualization piece with that is because it ties into something that you've emotionally connected to, which is living a long, successful life. And you are seeing a long, successful life as a life where you're able to take your son to this football game in this very grand, grand way. You're, you see a long, successful life as being able to sit with your grandchildren in your beach house and enjoying them. And I know you very well. And you are not a things person. You don't wear an expensive watch. You don't drive a brand new car every year and a half. You don't live in a gigantic house. You are very humble and frugal and careful with your money and, and how you do things. But I do know that since I've known you, you've always talked about this life and in the future and, and with your kids. So for everybody listening, it's taking a goal that is emotionally, spiritually, and or otherwise meaningful to you. And it could be a thing. It could be you see driving a Mercedes as being successful. If you just visualize driving a Mercedes, it may just happen one day you're on a business trip. And when you go to get your rental car, they go, oh, well, the Ford, the Ford Explorer isn't out, but we got this Mercedes. We'll, we'll give it to you at no upcharge. Well, you've just fulfilled your visualization rather than visualizing a life where owning an expensive car is not a big deal for you because you're so successful. So that that's a powerful key. So for those of you that want to try visualization, write down a goal in a present sense. So I'm going to just make one up. Like, uh, I am physically fit every day. I wake up energized and energetic. I love how my body looks and feels. So you write it in this present sense. That's probably not the most perfect one, but just go with me. And then you close your eyes and however you are now is not how you see yourself. You see yourself as this person that you would like to be. And you see yourself at the weight you want to be, at the body type you want, wearing clothes a certain way, people reacting to you. What would that feel like if you walked into the family reunion and everybody's like, oh my God, look at her. She looks amazing. And that cousin comes up to you that's always critical and goes, oh my God, you look incredible and you feel great. But then you get your butt to the gym and you don't eat donuts for breakfast and you also do the work. That's the side part. But you get your mind right. Every athlete does it. Every athlete does it. Go go watch athletes train. I'm picking Conor McGregor as an example. But I, I saw this Joe Rogan thing where he's breaking down Conor McGregor training before a fight that, that happened. And he says, look at him. And he was training and he was doing something where you could tell he was anticipating something the opponent would do. And he was visualizing how he would counter that. And he was doing that over and over again in his training. Then in the fight, this is back in the day when Conor was like at the top of the game. I, I mean, you know, when he was like competing a lot. At the fight, that's what happened. And he talked, even Conor McGregor, whether you like him or not, not the point, talks about that he sees in his mind what is going to happen. It doesn't always work out that way. He lost this last one pretty bad, but he sees in his mind what's going to happen. So you set a goal, you write it down in a present tense, you see it, but you feel the emotion of the accomplishment. You see it as if it's like happening to you in real time. There is something super powerful that happens in the human brain when when you do that and i think as we age sometimes we get so wrapped up in the day-to-day -day life that we forget to do that you know like mm. i just had to do a bunch of stuff for work recently and it was like this like time consuming thing you get so wrapped up in that you forget to take the time to dream and to build and to look into your future and and build it that way 
Well, what I like about visualization is that it then manifests in my actions in the present, in my day-to-day life, you know, so I have these, these things that I visualize. And by the way, you know, it's, it's, there's no, there's no, there's no wrong answer. I think, I think feeling the emotion is the important key that I've taken away from this. And I'm going to keep going back to, if you feel the emotion on visualizing you owning and driving a Range Rover, and then what that represents for your life, then that's cool. Um, I had a hard time visualizing those types of things because it, it, there was, I, I, I just, I tried to, but I couldn't feel the emotion the way that you described it to. Whereas again, I look back now, I'm realizing this in real time as we're having this discussion that the visualizations that were successful had more to do with my relationships. Um, because you, because so, you had emotion because your relationships, because, because of the emotion. Yeah. It's built right, in. Right. Which I think that would for everybody, but again, whatever gets you to do it, whatever you're visualizing, there's not a wrong answer to it. I just assumed, cause when I would read about it, I'd like to watch a YouTube video about it. And it's like, yeah, man, visualize like, go, you know, cash in a million dollar check at the bank and visualize doing all these things. And I'm like, okay. And I would do it. And I'm like, I don't know. It just didn't feel right. Never hit. But when I have these really good days where I visualize what I shared with you going to Notre Dame stadium, um, you know, going on the field with my kids, whatever, uh, it then manifests in my actions in my day. Like, I go to have breakfast. Um, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have breakfast with the, like, I'll sit with the kids and, and eat before, before school, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat. Like I'm fasting right now or like, making decisions like, yeah, I, I should probably push myself in the gym today. It literally brings me back then in the present. All those things that I think about brings me back in the present. And I have these conscious thoughts and decisions of like, yeah, I'm probably not going to get a burger. I'm going to get a salad at dinner tonight because, you know, that's the healthier thing. And I don't, I don't think in that exact moment, I'm like, it's because I visualized this morning that I want to live to age 90 and hold my great grandkids. But I, there's gotta be something you're, there. You're, right? pr- you're priming your mind. You're when you do the visualization piece, you're, you're priming your mind to habituate the feeling of the success that you are hoping to have. And so when you're getting into the habit of seeing that success, it kind of almost unconsciously inside of you starts to guide what you do all the time. So the actor and comedian, Jim Carrey, many, many years ago before he was very famous. Now, here's a guy, automatically, super talented, very funny. When, you know, back in the 90s was the star of every movie, you know, from Dumb and Dumber to, you know, whatever, all these different movies. He was, you know, in the Batman movies and all this different kind of stuff. He was on uh, TV and he did all these crazy, funny characters. Very, you know, successful stand-up comedian with a lot of natural talent. So, and worked at his craft. That's important. But you can very easily Google Jim Carrey visualization $10 million check. And if I get the story correctly, and, and I may get the details wrong, but it's something along the lines of when he was going into the arts and he was doing stand up, he wrote a $10 million check to himself and he taped it onto the ceiling above his bed. So every night when he would lay down in his bed, he would look up at that $10 million check and he would visualize what it would feel like to get this $10 million check and to cash it and to be successful. Long story short, I'm leaving out a lot of details. He shares in the story. And I, I think it might've been when he played, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it was when he got the role of the Riddler in one of the Batman movies that that was the role he played the Riddler, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he yeah. got the role of the Riddler in the Batman movie, I think that was the movie he got paid $10 million for. And he said, he remembered that moment. He he talks about this. Now, again, he felt the emotion. He saw it. He felt it. But he wasn't just laying in his bed staring at the $10 million check. He was writing comedy. He was going on auditions. He was doing stand-up. He was doing open mics. And then he got on um, Mad TV, I believe it was. And then you know started getting blowing up on Mad TV. And then he got movie role. I mean, he built a career. And whether you like him or not, you know, he's, he's a little different now these days. But whatever you yeah. think of him, it, it's... He's not in Hollywood. He's pretty fast. It's pretty fascinating that he he really, it's, it's literally just like my silly number of the amount I wanted to make at this job. He, he didn't, it wasn't so much that he wanted to make $10 million in his mind. That was such a big number that that would be a symbol to him of I've made it. I'm successful at yeah. this thing that I want to accomplish. There are stories over and over and over again of people using this successfully. And I think as, as we age, and as we are thinking about the future, the power of positive aging is just saying that 
your future, how you want to build your future is really what we're talking about. Whether you are 20, 40, or 60, how yeah. do you want to see what's what's going to come come into your life? The visualization is just a part of it. I can visualize being in shape all I want, but if I don't do any exercise, ain't going to happen. I can visualize being wealthy all I want, but if I don't go to work and I don't try to build anything or create anything, I'm, I'm not going to become wealthy. It's just more than likely not. I really so, think what ends up manifesting is, because I, I hear that word too, the word manifest, and you've mentioned it a couple of times. And it's like, I could see how someone's skeptical of this whole thing. Like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I'm going to think positive thoughts and then positive yeah, things are going to happen. But, right. but what it's not, like, nope. that's what I really want to hit home is, is but uh, two concepts, feeling the emotion when you're, when you're visualizing so that it has meaning to it, which you created clarity for me on today. And, and the second, which is all it's really doing is, is for me anyway, is then manifesting itself into actions I take in my present life. Right. And I don't know that I'm even consciously connecting the two until later on when I'm having a reflective discussion, like I am right now with you realizing like, oh, that's like, that's why I, I, I'm able to face maybe some of these hard choices or, or look at something in a way and go, yeah, well, this is the way I'm going to do it because I am visualizing my future. And I know that these little micro decisions in my day are leading up to that. And I don't think I, I don't think I can know it in that moment. I connect it, but right. there's got to be something there. Well, if, you're, if, you, that if you're emotionally training yourself and mentally and mentally and emotionally training yourself to see and feel a certain result, then when you go to make a decision that is antithetical, that is against achieving that result, your mm -hmm. mental, your brain says, no. so your example, you're visualizing and just thinking about this fit level and this fitness level and this health level that you want to achieve. So when you go to reach for a bag of chips, you've been training your brain to not do that. You've been training your brain to be healthy and to be fit, and whatever. So there's something's going to happen when you're going to go, no, like, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to eat those chips. I don't want to do that. Everything starts with that mental conditioning, that mental training. They've done so many studies with athletes where they'll have an athlete picture in her mind her routine, her gymnastics routine, or her tennis serve, or whatever it is, and over and over what it would feel like, what it would feel like, what it would feel like. And then when they go and do it, they do better than the ones that aren't doing it. So there's enough studies out there that support that this mental conditioning, it's exactly what you said. It's priming your brain so that you're so focused on this thing that you want to accomplish that when you try to do something that's not in line with that, there's yeah. a resistance that happens because your body, your mind is going, no, 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 no. I can't do this because then that's going to get in the way of me living to an older age so I can hold my grandchildren someday or, and, or go to this football game, whatever it is, or make this money or have this significant other in my life or have this type of relationship or have this body type or whatever it is. So I, I think there's, I would say that the most transformational thing that I ever incorporated into my practice, and I, I can't say that I practice it as tons and tons, but I do do it occasionally, especially when I'm focused on something specific is visualization. And I know I can, I can list, I could pop off five different occasions in my life where I've used it. I remember before I became a speaker, I saw an audience. I felt an emotion, a wave of people. It was a gigantic crowd. It was dark. I just remember that. And I remember that happened for me in Atlanta in 2009 or 2010, 2,200 people and that wave and that standing ovation. And that was the first big, and I saw that happening every, I would picture that over and over as I was working on my talk, I would close my eyes and it happened. And I, my wife was there and I remember looking at her, nodding my head. Cause she knew that this is what I was doing. And we talked afterwards in the hotel and she was like, that's what you pictured. That was, I said, yep. I pictured you being in the front row. I pictured this long and I saw it. So guys, there's something powerful to it. And if in your life, you're feeling like you're stuck, you're in a rut. I just did a TikTok not too long ago from a, a thing that I saw about being stuck on a page in a book. And that if you, that your wisdom will tell you at some point, it's time to turn the page. Sometimes turning the page means you have to see what, how the story, it could be a blank book at that point. Maybe you're on a page and there's mm. nothing else written after that. It's writing the rest of the story. It's closing your eyes and picturing what would feel right to you. What would a great relationship feel like? What would being healthy feel like? What would being successful feel like? What would that yeah. be like? And, and I think it's part of it. 
I don't know what percentage it is. It could be 10%. It could be 75%. It could be 90%. Everything starts with a thought. This microphone that I'm speaking into, somebody pictured this in their mind. The coffee cup that I'm drinking from, the design on it, it's it's a Captain America. Somebody pictured that artwork in their mind. Everything starts with a thought. Thoughts well, become what things. I, what I like about this whole conversation is I you know, you have been practicing visualization. Real quick, how many? How far back? If you had to go, I like, would say I started doing it, it when I was in high school, when I was an actor, cool. and I pictured like getting a role and getting the audition and what that would feel like. And I I definitely say probably fifteen, sixteen. And I can confidently say I started sixty days ago. Like I'm I'm sure. I have dreams and aspirations and I, and I think about things and we talk about stuff, but I, I don't feel like I designated time to the practice of sitting down and thinking about it in, in this way. Like, and I, I don't know why, maybe it's because I, you know, I, I'm too, I maybe felt like too practical or that was too woo woo or whatever the reason was, I never did it. And then finally on listening to a podcast, it hit me and it received me the right way. And it's actually part of this whole like 75 hard thing I'm doing. You have to do it in some of these phases. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I can confidently say in the last 60 days, first time I've done it. And so just an interesting dichotomy of like, of where we're at with it. I'm at the beginning of, of my journey of active visualization. You've done it for many years. So I, I don't have tangible, actual results of, mm-hmm. of saying like, I visualize this thing and then this thing happened. But what I can confidently say is I've noticed my habits, my day-to-day thinking has started to change. And I think that it's based off of that. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't like, I don't, I don't make a better choice when faced with the fork in the road. I don't make the better choice to do something because I'm like, I want to be a hundred and hold my grandkids. But what I, it, there's, there's something connected to that as I'm thinking more about, it's more present in my day. And I usually, I do it in the morning, but I've also done it at night. And I like doing it at night because I feel like I, it sticks with me and carries with me like throughout the evening then when I'm going to sleep. Um, but it's, it's just interesting that, and I want to recognize that you and I have very different uh, things to offer with it because I just started it and you've been doing it for so long. And I think that that's very valuable. Um, yeah. Do you find that in any of the times that you've done it, like I think being realistic is a, is a, mm-hmm. is, is a cause for concern in this situation when you're visualizing, I think you should be thinking beyond what feels realistic right now do you find that you think beyond that or have you felt like like if you look back like you know going from you know job x to job y and when you made that jump that must have felt like when you were doing it like this feels so unrealistic but i'm going to do it anyway yeah or yeah it it, 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 well that that didn't feel unrealistic i it just it felt like i was almost looking for like affirmation that this was the right thing to do in full disclosure there have been probably a handful of times that I have done active visualization about things and it did not happen. Oh, sure. And I don't know why it could be because I didn't really want it. It could be because it didn't serve my higher good and, and God was looking out for me. It could be because I didn't really believe it. It could be because the emotion wasn't strong. I find that with like social media, you know, I I've taken a whole different tack on social media. I took a break for a month and then I've been on and I just don't, I'm not, I just don't care. I care about helping people. I don't care about Mm -hmm. the results of social. I don't care about the views and the follows and the likes. I just don't, I care about helping people and I care about making people think and feel better. And I've realized that. And uh, a post that I'm going to be doing soon, I talk about, I am nowhere near where I want to be, but I am so far away from where I once was. And cool. that's what I, where I'm at. So there's been a handful of times where, for example, with social media, where I thought, oh, you know, I want to achieve this certain milestone. And and then I pictured it in my mind. I, I did picture in my mind, I did visualization of being verified. I did. I thought it'd be cool back in COVID days and having a blue, and I saw the blue check next to my name and it happened. That's great. But then there have been times that I visualize things like this post, I can see it and I can feel it, you know, making a difference and it being viral making, and then it didn't, it like bombed. And I'm like, what? And then I realized that maybe deep down that really wasn't that important to me. So there's a handful of times that I feel like it, it didn't really manifest. Most of the things that I've pictured 
are things that I believe that I could accomplish. I don't believe that I could accomplish. Um, I don't believe that I could accomplish being a star in the NBA five, nine, I unhealthy circulation in my legs and I suck at basketball and I have bad eyesight and I'm short. So, I mean, like, I think I said, I'm five, nine. So I don't believe that. So I can visualize all, all I want. I don't think that would happen. But I do believe that I could drive a certain type of car, or I do believe that I could get a standing ovation, or I do believe I could write another book, or I do believe that I could reach a certain milestone of whatever XYZ in my relationships. I think there has to be a degree of believability because I think your brain will almost put up a block like not that. Yeah. You can visualize it all you want, but no, that's not going to happen. You know, you're a single person and, you know, you picture, you know, you're, you're married to Brad Pitt. It, it just, it might be so unrealistic that your brain just knows it's not going to happen. You can picture it all you want and all, then it just becomes a fantasy. And I think the difference between a fantasy and a visualization is a fantasy. There's a component of, you know, this never is going to happen. A visualization is something that you believe you are truly capable of. You just need to push yourself that extra distance to make it happen. Mm, I like but but I, I've seen, I, you know, as I'm talking to you, it's funny, like you said in the moment, as you, you said, as I'm speaking, and this is occurring to me, it's occurring to me. Like you said, when did you start? And I can remember lying in my bed and I went to a performing arts high school and I really wanted this one role in a play. And I was laying down in my bed and I was picturing being on stage in the, in the, in the, in the costume with the audience sing, singing the song. And I just would picture it over and over and over and I'd feel it and feel it and feel it and feel it. I was also talented. I also looked the part. I also was good at it. I also had the skill for it. And I remember that being an earlier time of doing this. I remember doing it in nursing school where I would study really hard. And then I would picture in my brain walking up to the, the chart. They had our social security number and that's where they would place our grades and going up to where I was and running my finger and feeling my finger go across the paper to an A. And I would just picture it, picture it, picture it. But I was also studying several hours a day. So I think what it did was it primed my brain so that when I wanted to watch TV or I wanted to go outside and you know goof around or I wanted to go out to eat, my brain was like, nope, got to, got to make this thing happen. And I think it's the emotion. I think it's, but I do think that it has to be a degree of believability where subconsciously you have to know it can happen. Cause if subconsciously, you know, it can't happen. I just think it just, it ain't going to happen. It just isn't, it's not yeah. going to happen. Well, I'm all in on this discussion. I really, I find this stuff fascinating. And again, pretty early on in my journey, not that I don't have dreams and aspirations and I think through those things or I externalize those things, but I don't know that I've, I've just never taken the time the way I am right now to sit down and really think through what I want life to look like in, I mean, I've done it as, I'm talking like, I've done stuff like in the next few months, like I want to be doing this or, or in years to come or decades to come. Like I've, I'm kind of all over the map on the spectrum of like how far out I project this stuff, but I really think the mind is such a powerful tool. It's the big greatest supercomputer that we all have at our own disposal. And we got to make sure we're feeding it good stuff. And also I think there's so much negativity out there and it's so easy to fill yourself or feed yourself with negative thoughts that this is like that opportunity to isolate that and go, no positive thoughts happening here. And this is what I want to work towards. So I just find this stuff well, fascinating. And I think it's, I think it's fascinating that we went from intermittent fasting to like law of attraction visualization in like a hot second. So that was, we did. We really that was, went all that over was the map. Quicker than this was going to be the power of positive aging part two, but I think it's, I think it's the art of, of visualization. I think it is, right but now, I think so. I think the art of visualization is part of the power of positive aging because I think that oh. as you progress in life, if you're not if you're not visualizing a, a plan for yourself and visualizing success and visualizing happiness for yourself, I just don't think you're going to get there. So, I think it's good. I, you know, looking at the clock, we're like about a minute and a half away from a full hour podcast, and I know that people are probably like going like, wow, we just want to listen to them for two more hours, but we want to be respectful of people's times and we want y'all to listen to this. So John, I thought this was a great part. I had a lot of fun with this conversation. I could talk about this for many more hours. So I hope you got something out of it because I know I did. I, I had a blast. I think it was a good, it was a good one. And, and, you know, as Will Smith has always said, being realistic is the most common path to mediocrity. And I think that's a good one. <laughs> Dude, do you think that this whole thing was staged and it was just like a really good way for everyone to be talking about Will Smith? When I first Rock? saw the smack, I thought it was fake. When I saw it, it looked 
fake because I just thought it was fake. I don't know, but I don't believe so because it. Chris Rock is as a good actor, but if you watch his reaction, even when he said, well, "Okay," and he said a bunch of stuff, and then as he kind of brought himself together, he goes, "We're here to give a documentary." I mean, to give you could tell he's rattled, and I just don't think anyone's that good of an actor. I think it would have come across a little bit faker, but um, no, yeah. it it seemed. It seemed pretty real, especially watching people comfort him, like Bradley Cooper and Denzel and all. I think it was real. I think it was real, but again. Well, we brought this thing we full sure circle. Did. Started there and we ended sure there. Did. And now we're going to go break so our fast. We are. So everybody, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We ask humbly that you would share this podcast with people that you think might benefit from it. Please make sure you like it, uh, subscribe, put it into your library, share it with everyone that you can. We do this just because we like to. We don't make money off of this. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're just here trying to learn along with you. So on behalf of myself, our, our missing comrade who's working very hard, Matt, John, we just want to thank you for being part of our podcast here at Above Board with Canderpath. We appreciate you. Keep thinking. Make sure your thoughts are pointing you in the direction of where you want to end up because thoughts do become things. And with that, we say be awesome.